Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, our summer series has begun. The weather's good, and we're in our summer series. And we're looking forward to, I'm looking forward to this whole summer series where we see this idea of a flawless God using flawed people. We're going to see over the course of the summer many examples that we have to consider how flawed people are used by a flawless God. But let's pause right there for a moment and consider that, that a flawless God would use flawed people. Even though he's a flawless God with a flawless plan, he still chooses flawed people to use. And we're, we're excited about seeing what that's going to look like and some of the examples that we're going to see. I know I can relate to many of the people that were all the people that we're going to look at this summer. So today we're going to look at Paul in the New Testament. And some of the things that he struggled with or some of the things that could have been a struggle for him. Some of the things that he may have felt as though he might have been disqualified. And yet God still used him mightily. How well is Paul known? How much did God use him? God used him to write more of the New Testament than anyone else. God used him to take the good news of the gospel of Christ, salvation's message, to the world. Most of the other leaders that were there at his, his time were taking that message of the gospel to Jerusalem or to Judea or maybe, maybe Samaria, but most likely just a small area. And Paul somehow was commissioned with the task to take that to the rest of the world. And he took that gospel to the far reaches of his known world. And it's exciting to see how God used him. And sometimes when you see someone being used greatly by God, you just assume it's a great person. But part of our series' purpose is to realize that even great people are flawed, and God can still use them. So we're going to look at Paul, and some of, especially we're going to look in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look a little bit about pride and boasting, because Paul had gotten himself, before he got to know Jesus, before he became a Christian, Paul had gotten himself to a place where he was relying on himself to be good enough for God to accept him. He was relying on himself, all that he was, all that he did, all that he didn't do. Now, self-reliance isn't always bad. In fact, we begin to, how to, to learn how to take care of ourselves when we're babies, when we're infants. And we take each step to learn, we might learn how to tie our shoes, or we might learn how to feed ourselves. We might learn some of those things. And then as parents, each, each step that's accomplished, parents gush with pride at each successive accomplishment. And so self-reliance is okay, but self-reliance can only do so much for ourselves. We can only do so much for ourselves by ourselves. When it comes to being accepted by God, we need some help. Fortunately for us, God loves us so much that he is eager to help us. So let's start by looking at Paul's situation in Philippians chapter 3. We're just going to look starting in verse, verse 3 of Philippians 3. He starts talking about believers. He says, we're, we're, we're believers. We're the, the circumcision. We're the, we're the ones who serve God by his spirit. We're the ones who boast in Jesus Christ. And it says, and we put no confidence in the flesh. And then he says this little phrase. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. 
He says, we as Christians, we don't put confidence in our flesh. We don't put confidence in the things that we can do in order to please God. We don't do that. But then he quickly says, but I've got reasons where I could. And so there might be pride that might be sneaking in. There might be uh, reasons for boasting. So what do we think about this idea of pride? Or more importantly, what does God think about pride? Well, let me read you a couple of verses just from the Old Testament about pride. In Psalms, it says, I won't, God says, I won't put up with anyone whose eyes and heart are proud. In Proverbs 6, there's a list of seven things that the Lord detests. And the first thing on the list is pride, proud eyes. Other places, it says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Another spot in the Old Testament, the eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride brought low. Another spot, Jeremiah says, see, I am against you, you arrogant one. There's that, it's definite in the Old Testament that the Lord is, God himself is one who hates pride. And what about in the New Testament? Well, Paul's message to the church in, in Corinth, I thought this was a great example. If you look through First and Second Corinthians, you can see many places that refer to the idea of pride or the idea of boasting or the idea of not thinking that we are something in and of ourselves. And so let me read you just a few portions of verses in First Corinthians and Second Corinthians. It says, so that no one might boast before God. Another verse says, therefore it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And then it says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Another spot says, so then no more boasting about human leaders. 1 Corinthians 4, it says, some of you have become arrogant. 1 Corinthians 5 says, and you are proud. Chapter 8, there's a verse that says, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Chapter 13 says love is patient. It says love is kind. But it also goes on to say that it does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. In 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 3, it says, not that we were competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. So there's verses all the way through 1st and 2nd Corinthians that talk about the being making sure that we don't have pride in our life. But let's look at Paul's situation because he says back in uh, Philippians chapter 3, he says that for himself he does have reason to put confidence in his flesh. Because he says, in a sense, he acknowledges that by human standards, the standards of that day, he had made it. He had gotten to the point where he had it all. He even says that he has more reasons to boast than anyone else. He's got more reasons than anyone else to be prideful or to put confidence in the flesh. Look, see what he says in, first, sorry, in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 5, it says, If anyone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Imagine being able, like just having the audacity to say that. If anybody here thinks that they have a reason to boast, I've got more reason to boast than any of you. But let's look what he says. He says, and here's his reasons, because he goes by the, the standards of his time. When it comes to the way to be close to God, the way to get accepted by God, the way to be, to be considered pure or to be considered holy. And here is his list in Philippians 3, verse 5, it says he was circumcised on the eighth day. That was a command that God gave to Abraham way back in Genesis 17. And then he says, of the people of Israel. That's God's chosen people. 
He says he was of the tribe ben, of Benjamin, that specific tribe that he was a part of. He said that he is a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, meaning that he was born Jewish. He didn't convert into Judaism. He was born Jewish. And then it says, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. So he was a Pharisee. He was a leader of the Pharisees. And so he considered that his training and his lifestyle was perfected according to Judaism. And because of that, he felt that his devotion to those traditions, the traditions of the law, that's what kept him pure before God. And verse 6, it says, according to zeal, persecuting the church. He had a burning, well, his burning passion for Judaism brought him to the point where he persecuted brutally Christians before he was converted himself. His zeal brought him to that point of persecution, but he thought that qualified him more. At the time, by the standards that he was living, that qualified him more to be accepted by God. And then he says, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Imagine him calling himself faultless, but that's according to the Torah and the law. He kept himself ritually clean. They, were, and they had many ways to make sure that they were ritually clean. They had they had ways and, and things that they could follow in order to make sure that they were qualified as ritually clean. And so, therefore, by doing that, he could call himself, by his standards, he could call himself that he'd accomplished that, that he could call himself faultless. So these were the standards of his time, and he kept to them. Therefore, he could, he could claim that by the standards of his time, he was living beyond all others, he was living a life that would allow him to be accepted by God. But then he came to a realization of who Jesus really was. And things had changed. And he realized Jesus was the Son of God. And Jesus was the one who died to forgive people of their sins. And then he found himself in a situation where he looked back on his life and said, I was against the very God that I thought I was for. I was living in such a way as I persecuted his church. And he may have thought that he, that alone disqualified him. Sometimes people will think that they are so fault, they are, they are so flawed that God can't use them. Maybe it's because of Paul, because of his possible tendency to be proud. Maybe that disqualifies Or maybe it's because, of, like Paul, they had a history that was very negative. They had a history that they're certainly not proud of. They had a history, though, that at the time... They thought they were doing the right thing, but they had come to realize that it was a terrible thing that he had been doing. And so he may have thought, he's too flawed for God to use. And yet God took him. Not only did he forgive him, but he called him to do great things. Even though Paul was flawed, imperfect, far from God, God still called him. And God brought him to the point where he could use him. And use him significantly for his flawless purpose. What a great God that we have. That's the same God that Paul has. Paul mentions all of the things, all of his qualifications. We find out later in chapter 3 of Philippians, the reasons why he mentions all of the, those qualifications, so that he could that he would be tempted to boast in. He mentions them all just simply so that he could emphasize how little they mean when they're compared to faith in Jesus Christ. 
Because what he was thinking before is all of the things that I do, all of the work that I do, all the things that I accomplish is what's going to get me to God. But then he got to the point where he found that Jesus came to him and said, you need forgiveness. And only God can give that forgiveness. And so he realized, he came to the point where he realized that it was only faith in Jesus. It wasn't by all those qualifications that he listed. Because by the standard of his time, his nation thought that those were the qualifications that God required. But Paul came to the point where he realized it was not that. It was faith in Jesus Christ. And so look what he says in verse 7. He uses the word consider three different times. He says in verse 7, whatever were gains to me, the things that I thought were my accomplishments, the things that I thought I might be bragging in, things that I might boast about, the fact that I was born in a certain way, the fact that I had a certain kind of training, the fact that I was a Pharisee, the fact that I was a leader, the fact that I persecuted the church, the fact that I was considered by the law faultless. All of those things, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider them loss. So it's almost like a, it's a financial term, consider in some ways. It's, I'm taking them to the point where I thought was a gain, and I'm taking all of those things and I'm putting them in the loss column. Nobody likes to do that. Imagine, he's thinking, he's taking that significant part of his life and said, all those things that I thought I was working for, the things I was working toward, I was so wrong. And the things that I thought were the things that were gained to me, I have to take them all and I have to put them over in the loss column. So sometimes people's flaw is the fact that they feel like they might have wasted their life or a significant portion of their life or they have been going in the wrong direction for a long time and it's too late for them and, and there's too much water under the bridge and there's too much past, there's too much history for God to use. Paul just says, I consider all those things that I thought were gain." I just put it in the lost column. He says, for the sake of Christ, because of what Jesus Christ has done. And verse 8, he says, and what is more, if that's not enough, he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Compared to knowing Jesus Christ, Paul got to the point where he realized everything else was unimportant. Everything else was a loss compared to the gain of having Jesus. And so he says in verse, at the end of verse 8, he says, so he gives you a reason for why. He says, that I might gain Christ. And then in verse 9, he says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. That was a simple sentence. He says, I want, to be, I want to gain Christ at the end of verse 8. And he says, I want to be found in him. I want, to, I want to know that I'm part of who Jesus is, that Jesus has saved me. And then he says, having, not having a righteousness of my own. He's throwing away all of his old life because all of his old life was built on gaining a righteousness of his own. And now he says, because of Christ... Because of the fact that I want to gain Jesus, because I recognize that He is God's Son, and He is the Savior of the world, and He is the one who can, who can forgive me and bring me into a point where I'm in acceptance to, with Jesus, with God Himself. And so He says, I don't have a righteousness of my own anymore that comes from the law. But that was what He built His whole life on, and now He's turning, it, turning away from it. And so many people would say, because I've done all those things, because of what's in my past, because of what I've done, because of what I haven't done, because of what I should have done and didn't. 
God can never use me. I'm full of fault. I'm flawed to such a high degree. And Paul just simply says, none of that. I don't want any of that. None of that righteousness that comes from the law, but that righteousness, he says in verse 9, that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? He got to the point where he realized it was just so simple. It just matters whether you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who can forgive us for our sins. And when we get to the point where we believe that, then God, he says, he is faithful and he is just and he'll forgive us our sins. He'll cleanse us from our unrighteousness. And then we also know that he will use us. He will continue to use us, just like he used Paul. He used Paul for all those great things. Paul can go through all these steps where he combats pride. Because he may have been thought of in a respectful way in the area where he grew up. But he comes to the point where he acknowledges that he has a tendency or maybe he has has room to boast. And maybe we need to do that as well. We might look back on our accomplishments and say, I've got some things I would like to boast about. I I don't mind people finding out that I'm good at this or I've done this or I am that. We have, to tend, we have a tendency. We have a tendency to boast and uh, boast about two specific things. Boast about power or boast about wisdom. Either we know something and it might be a source of pride or we can do something and it might be a source of pride. The third way is maybe we somehow attach ourselves to someone who has that power, someone who has that knowledge, or I knew this or I knew that. We all have found ourselves somehow making a connection with a famous person. Well, yeah, I knew, I used to do this as a joke. I knew a guy, uh, my friend in high school, used to live in Brantford, and he used to deliver the newspaper to Walter Gretzky's house. So I connected myself, you know, in five separate steps, somehow to a great hockey player. And I found this, I made it a source of pride, like, oh yeah, I know a guy who used to deliver Wayne Gretzky's newspaper. You know, we just have a tendency, like, as though it's a source of pride, as though I've, I've done anything. We like to connect ourselves with winners in many ways. Last year, right about this time, the Toronto Raptors were on their way were, had, had to win the, the, national, the, the world NBA World Championship. And I'm a basketball fan. I, I was right there. I've been watching the Raptors since they started. I've been watching the NBA since I was, I was young, and I, I, I love basketball. And so, but I found that there was such a... Um, such an enthusiasm about across our country about the Raptors and how well they're doing. And, and some people were newcomers and other people had been uh, there on the path on the train uh, the whole ride long and people were excited about it and they just wanted to attach themselves to that success. And I found that we have a tendency to say at the end of a game that the Toronto Raptors won, we would include ourselves. We would say, we won. Can you see that game last night? We won as though I had put on a uniform. I had not put on a uniform. I wasn't on the team. I hadn't even gone to training camp. They didn't invite me at all, and yet I feel like I'm a part of them. We like to attach ourselves to things that we can boast about, and Paul recognized that as well. He recognized the, the, re, the reason is that we, want, we like to have things to boast about. We have, like to make ourselves look good. We, we, want, we, can, we care what other people think of us. And so we present ourselves in the best possible way, whether it's we present ourselves as knowing a lot or be able to do something or connected with something else, some other cause. We have a tendency to do all those things. But Paul says all of those things are foolishness because he says what we do is we preach Christ crucified. 
Jesus Christ died for us. And so that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how good I am. God can still take me and forgive me. It doesn't matter in some sense how bad I am. God can still take me and and forgive me and use me. We have a tendency to think we are disqualified for use by our almighty God. We might say that we're, we're glad that he saved us. And we know that we don't deserve that. But we don't feel like we can serve him because we're not good enough. Somehow we've made the transition from, I know I'm not good enough and so I need him to save me. So I ask him to forgive me. And so now he accepts me. But now that he's accepted me, I still feel like I'm not good enough and so I don't qualify to serve him. Where we realize part of the reason why he saved us is so that he can use us. And he wants to use us. He wants us to have the confidence, not in ourselves though, but in him. So I pray that we will understand that we are not disqualified for use by God, even though God is flawless and we are flawed. He can choose to use us however we want. he wants to. He can give us gifts, he can give us abilities, he can put us in situations, he can put us in front of people, different certain people, and we can have conversations. You have conversations with people that I will never, have, I will never, never meet, I will never talk to them. God wants to use you in reaching them. There are other people who are in different parts of life, different parts of our society, and God has maybe placed them there so that he can use them to reach those people. And he places someone else over here so that he can reach them. He can use them to reach those people. Because God wants the whole world to understand who he is and his love for them. And he wants to use each one of us. We're not disqualified because we're flawed. We're qualified because we believe in Jesus. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no-